Gateway News volunteer Olivia DeBorsier had the chance to interview Quirks and Quarks host Bob McDonald. McDonald has written multiple books, is a CBC science correspondent and commentator, and has hosted various television shows and documentaries. Since 1992, Bob has been the host of CBC's award-winning radio program, Quirks and Quarks, which listeners tune into on Saturdays at noon to hear about the latest scientific discoveries. In 2011, he was appointed the, an officer of the Order of Canada. McDonald was at the University of Alberta on November 20th for a public lecture, and um, the next day he received an honorary PhD from the University of Alberta. Here's the interview. All right. So, Bob, you're one of the most well-known science communicators in Canada. Uh, what began your interest in science? Well, I I grew up in the space age. I mean, I'm I'm so old now that uh, <laughs> I I remember not only them walking on the moon, but the very first satellite, Sputnik. I was alive when that happened in 1957. So I grew up during a time when we were going to the moon, then we went to the moon, and they were saying we were going to Mars, and we were going to have holidays in space and hotels in space and all that. So I got all caught up in that as a kid, and it was really great. Too bad that hasn't happened. I was really hoping that by now in the 21st century I'd be taking holidays in space. But <laughs> Well, I'm still working on that one, but uh, I think that's that's part of it. And um, I've just always been fascinated with with science and not just space science, but uh, sort of the way science looks at the world. It's it's a really neat way to appreciate the world around us. How did you get involved in science communications? I kind of fell into it. Um, I I was actually a truck driver uh, for for a while because I dropped out of school. And uh, but an opportunity came along to uh, work at the Ontario Science Centre in Toronto. And uh, I got a job there making science fun, standing people's hair up with static electricity and stuff like that. And out of that, every once in a while, the media would call up and say, hey, could somebody come on and talk about the thing that just landed on Mars or whatever? And whenever I went on, they said, hey, you're really good on camera. Do you want to come back and do stuff for us? And I'd say, sure. So I was appearing on programs, and word just sort of got out that, hey, there's this guy who can talk, who's funny, who does demonstrations, who uh, can show slides and stuff, and one thing led to another, and that's the story of my life. (laughs) So I I kind of stumbled into it. That's fantastic. So you've been working on Quirks and Quarks since 1992, and I'm sure you've heard some really fascinating things in that time. Has there been a particularly outstanding moment you've had while working on that show? Boy, you know, outstanding moments happen all the time because I'm always talking to scientists who've just found new stuff. It, that's that's what's exciting about it. It's always new. So it can be exciting because somebody just found some crazy uh, mating habit of an insect in Borneo or something like that. Or it could be some discovery in a galaxy far, far away. Or, um, you know, it, it, it happens all the time, and I, and I find that fascinating, that, that there's so much about the universe that we don't know that we're still finding out. We, we think we figured it all out, but we, we still don't know a lot. So that, that happens all the time. But there was a moment in 1999 when we were preparing for the new millennium, and there happened to be a conference in Toronto where I was working at the time of Nobel laureates. So there were six people who had won the Nobel Prize who were coming to Toronto, hosted by our Canadian Nobel laureate, John Pogliani. 
And we managed to intercept them on the way to their event to come into our studio and talk to me about what they thought about the future. So here I am, sitting at in my studio, and on the opposite side of my table are six guys. Unfortunately, they were all men, but they were in tuxedos. <laughs> and each one of them had won the Nobel Prize for different reasons, in physics and chemistry and medicine and all that. And they were talking to me, and I couldn't believe it. I said, how, how did I get here? How did I get to do this, to talk to people like that and, 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 and about the future. So that was that was a wonderful moment uh, when that, that happened. And meeting Stephen Hawking was also kind of neat. I, I met him one day. So meeting meeting people who, who've done great things is always profound to me. But, but as I say, people are doing great things every day that we don't hear about, and that's why it's so much fun working on quirks. What is, in your opinion, the importance of science communications in this day and age? We have never lived in a time where science is so influential in our lives. It's astounding. It's astounding how much it surrounds us. And at the same time, these inventions that we have and our own population and our our own impact on the planet is changing it. And we know that. We're, We're causing climate change. We're causing species to go extinct and all that other horrible news. So we have to make some hard decisions about how we're going to live in the future. How do we control our numbers? How do we make sure we're well-fed and happy in the future? How do we reduce that impact? Well, we look to science for that. Science has some interesting solutions to it, and, and we need to look at that. So we, that's why we need an understanding of the science so we can understand the problem and also understand the solutions. If we don't, then we, we say, oh, well, I, I don't believe in climate change. I don't believe it. Well, the people who say that aren't looking at the data. They're not looking at the science. So that's why I think it's really important to keep ourselves alive on this amazing planet that we live on. Do you think that the way we communicate science has changed, the mediums we use, the media? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that has created another issue. I mean, you you can get all the science you want now on your phone. You don't need to sit down and and listen to a radio program. I mean, Quirks and Quarks goes on the air at noon on Saturday. And yes, you can turn on a a radio in your car, or if you have one at home, on 12 o'clock, and you'll hear me talking about with scientists all around the world, and it broadcasts for an hour. That used to be the only way you could hear our program, was to be at a radio at noon on Saturday. But now we podcast. We were the first program at CBC to do that. So you can subscribe to podcast, it'll show up, you can listen to it whenever the heck you want. And you can go on the internet and you can stream programs from from around the world and uh, listen to stuff. Or you can just get the raw information. You can even get the raw science. You can go to university websites or journal websites and get, get the science directly. But what this has also done that worries me is that it has also enabled pseudoscience and conspiracy theories and creationists and things to spread information that looks scientific, but it's not. And it's a challenge for students, it's a challenge for young people, it's a challenge for people who are trying to understand science to tell the difference between what's real and what's not. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. And I, I think that's, that's as important as the science itself, is to tell what's, what's real and what is on a different agenda.